Welcome to a new edition of the Fantasy Oddscast. I have the pleasure of being with my co-host, Jake Perry. You can follow him on Twitter, JakePerry34. You can follow me on Twitter, AJDesai4. How's it going, man? A great week in the NFL, man. Uh, yeah, man. Off, man. A lot of really good games. You know, my uh, the game that I probably had the most fun watching, it wasn't necessarily the, uh, the best turnout for us, but the one that I personally had the most fun watching was the game against... Uh, the Browns Titans game, you know, that was a shootout of a game 45 41 to 35 uh, a lot of real big fantasy performances in that game too. a lot of fantasy disappointments in that game as well, depending on who you own. Um, but that game was, you know, a shootout Tennessee tried to bring it real close at the end there started off super poorly, you know, Baker Mayfield scored more points in the first half than he had in 40 of his 41 NFL starts as he had more fantasy points in that first half than the total games of almost the entirety of his NFL career. Um, you saw, you know, big games out of Rashard Higgins, Peoples Jones, you know, Jarvis Landry, like we talked about a couple times, you know, finally really starting to turn it around for that offense. Um, obviously a great game out of Baker. He, you know, only had eight incomplete passes for and he had 334 passing yards, four touchdowns. Uh, saw an equally, you know, decent game out of Tannehill. You know, the incompletion numbers were worse, but he had, you know, his depth of target was a lot deeper. So he had, uh, you know, total yards, 389 with the three TDs. He did have a pick. Um, we saw a quiet game out of Derrick Henry, which was, you know, a little bit surprising to me. Um, you know, he seems like the guy who never, you, you know, it's really hard to shut him down. And they only ran 15 times, which might be his season low, honestly. Um, and only getting 60 yards out of that was pretty tiny. But we saw a huge game out of Corey Davis. 11, 11 catches for 881 yards and a touchdown. So obviously a huge game there. Um, but we also saw some disappointing things out of A.J. Brown. Two fumbles, one of them which he lost. Um, we did see um, uh, Johnu Smith go catchless, you know, not even a single target. So, you know, it was an interesting game, man. It was interesting all around. No, for sure. I love that Cleveland game. I really thought that like when Cleveland was um, just coasting away, I think it was 31 to seven. Uh, I don't know. You can correct me if I'm wrong there, but like uh, just the insane game by Baker Mayfield. I'm one of the Baker Mayfield fans out there. I mean, if he can fix his footwork, man, I think he can be one of the uh, best quarterbacks in this league to come, man. Like he, he's like continuing to impress me. Like, and also like, you know, with OBJ's injury, man, uh, Jarvis Landry, you know, he's turning over a new leaf, man. He's been, he, he was quiet the first couple of weeks, I think. And now ever since, um, OBJ tore his ACL, he's doing really, really well. And I, and I'm and excited to see, um, Jarvis Landry, uh, ball out in the offense. Like you, like you mentioned, um, Donovan, Donovan Peoples Jones too, as well. So it's really interesting to see that game. So my favorite game was the Colts and the Texans, man. Um, this, uh, I really wanted the Texans to win this game. I really thought that Texans were coming into this game with a chance to win. I mean, Deshaun Watson, granted, he didn't throw a touchdown or anything. He had that one interception at the end, and I think they gave up a safety, too, in that game, um, which ultimately ended the game, and the Colts ended up winning 26-20. to um, Duke Johnson with 10 carries and 44 yards and one touchdown. Kiki Cutie with a big game, but not enough to beat the Colts. Uh, eight catches, 141 yards. But T.Y. Hilton matched it with eight eight receptions in 110 yards. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, you know, one of my best running backs to come out of the Wisconsin. Um, and I liked him a lot um, coming out of the draft. Um, 13 carries, 91 yards, so he's definitely doing well. And Phillip Rivers, um, 27 to 35, 285 yards and two touchdowns. Um, honestly, um, I'd like to know your thoughts about this game, too. I mean, this is one of the games that I had a lot of betting value in as well. And also from a fantasy um, standpoint, too, because um, I did have Jonathan Taylor in my um, fantasy FanDuel lineups to win 
in cash, um, but he wasn't in my Yahoo league. But uh, a lot of the leagues that I had in like FanDuel, um, the other app, not the sports book, but the game app instead. So thoughts on yeah, that? Yeah, no, this was a really good game. Um, obviously, we were seeing Jonathan Taylor finally kind of come alive a little bit. He's looked a little bit more productive the past few weeks. Um, you know, he last week, or uh, obviously, like you said, last week he was 13 for 91. Um, and then he had, I believe, three catches for 44 yards and a touchdown. Um, the week prior, he was 22 of 91. So we're starting to see the rushing turn around a little bit, starting to look a little bit pro- more productive, a little bit more comfortable in that backfield. Um, like I talked about on the podcast last week, QT finally got the ch- uh, a chance you know, to be out there. You know, he did have the big 64-yard catch, but if, even if you take that out, you know, a lot of people are saying, you know, almost half his yards came from that. But even if you take that out, you still got seven catches for, you know, almost 80 yards. That's, you know, a good game from a people. PR perspective, no matter how you look at it. Um, and if you're in a league like one of mine, which rewards uh, kick returns as well, um, since he had four kick returns for 87 yards and three punt returns for 25 yards, you know, if your league rewards that, you got some bonus points out of the additional yardage from there. Um, you know, we saw Brandon Cooks have a, a relatively quiet game, you know, five catches for 65 yards on eight targets. And we got more proof that really no running back in that Houston backfield is either talented or that offensive line is just bad at blocking. Um, David Johnson did come back. He had 10 carries for 44 yards and a touchdown. So, you know, 4.4 yards a carry, not horrible. Um, but it's just, it's it's a limited role, you know, that you're seeing there. You're not seeing a ton of running. You're seeing Deshaun do, you know, as many rushes almost as the running backs are. And it's not a super productive. Johnson, you take out 19 of those yards, which were on his long run of the day, and that puts him at nine carries for 25 yards. So clearly the running game is not effective there. And I think that's what's keeping the Texans from really shining is even though they've never had a phenomenal running game in the past, they've always had a running game that can, you know, keep them in, th- you know, in, in the game and keep, you know, time off the clock and, you know, take the ball out of their opponent's hands a little bit longer. And it's just something we're not really seeing this year. Um, obviously we've seen back-to-back good games out of T.Y. Hilton on the other side. So that's, you know, encouraging to see after a guy that hasn't necessarily performed all that well this year, um, last week, four catches for 81 yards and a touchdown this week, eight catches for 110 yards and a touchdown, like you said. So it's nice to finally see some production out of him, um, as a guy who was drafted in many leagues and, you know, the fifth, sixth, seventh round, he's obviously had a super disappointing year, but it's good to, you know, finally see him come around a little bit. Um, and then as we see, you know, with the tight end position all year, um, it's very all over the place. Um, when you look at the Houston tight ends, two catches for 10 yards on four targets. When you look at Indianapolis tight ends, who Indianapolis has been running three tight ends out pretty consistently this year, they had a combined nine targets with five receptions and a total of quick math here, 46 yards. So again, you know, it's a tight ends a position that we're seeing be very ineffective this year outside of, you know, your Darren Waller, Travis Kels, um, TJ Hawkinson level guys, you're not seeing a lot of performance out of the tight end position. And that's something that we saw again in this game. But like you said, this was a great game to watch as well. I was really, ho- I had money on Houston. So I was really hoping that Houston was going to come back there at the end. Uh, but you know, all is well that ends well. And he, you know, the Colts took away a victory this week. No, definitely. They deserved it. And you know, a win is a win uh, when it all comes to an end. Right. So, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of other games out there, you know, the giants being the Seahawks, that's a surprise. You know, I don't know how many people had the giants money line out there. Uh, you know, the Patriots shutting out the chargers 45 to nothing. That was a, uh, defensive, uh, slash special teams slash cam Newton get into the end zone. But then you saw cam Newton last night, um, 
you know, it kind of fares up a little bit. We'll talk about that a little bit later, but, um, you know, the Broncos and Chiefs game, you know, Vic Fangio played them pretty well. Um, but then again, at the end, the Chiefs will give you that last push at the end that no team can handle, I guess. I mean, uh, except the teams at the top. Um, but, of course, the Chiefs going on to win that game. Washington and a surprise um, win over Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, uh, the Bills beating the 49ers. Um, the Ravens beating the Cowboys. Um also, a couple of other games, man. Um, the Vikings and Jaguars, that ended in overtime, but that ricochet pass by um, Mike Glennon that ended in the hands of LaVisca Chenault, that was a, a red zone play that I expected to see. Like, not expected to see, but just like, you know, coming out of the bathroom after brushing my teeth, uh, waking up really early on a, um, sorry, really, really late on a Sunday, um, Sunday morning and watching that play. And that was just insane to watch. But, yeah. Um, but then uh, then you have the Raiders beating the Jets by a Hail Mary throw by Derek Carr to Henry Ruggs. Dude, insane. I think uh, the Jets played that really well. Um, last couple of weeks, they were playing really well. But, you know, losing at the end, that's how you want to be. You want to be competitive until the end, I guess. And they want to sell themselves to tanks. I mean, you just don't want to sit there. And, you know, just, like, not be competitive, you know. And, and hats off to them, like, being con- competitive all game, you know, and just giving it up at the end because they know it's um winning this game and dropping a spot or it's losing this game and getting Trevor Lawrence as our future um, franchise quarterback. So, I mean, uh, other games, man, other games that you have on the top of your head to talk about. I mean, the Packers, Eagles, um, you know, the Rams and Cardinals was a good one. I mean, talk to me, man. A lot of them. A lot of them to talk about. Yeah, I wanted to touch on that Rams-Cardinals game, um, mostly because obviously we saw the Rams play again and win again last night. Uh, but this, uh, you know, this is another thing that we've seen um, is the Rams team is all over the place. They have phenomenal games. They have horrible games. They have games where they can't run the ball to save their lives. They have games where, like this one, they had 31 carries. You know, uh, it's really, you know, Thank God that backfield has turned into the Cam Akers show. Um, we saw that last night with his his monster performance, career high in carries, career high yards. Um, no touchdowns, no rushing touchdowns um, last night. But, you know, we're seeing, you know, an offense that's finally turning over itself over to its, its truly its best running back. Um, you know, we've seen three straight weeks where he's, uh, you know, uh, three weeks ago against San Francisco, he only had nine carries, but he did he did those nine carries to the tune of 84 yards and a touchdown. And then Sunday we saw against Arizona, we saw 21 carries for 72 yards and a touchdown. And then this past, this last night game that we obviously, you know, we saw the worst version of Cam Newton and maybe the worst version of Jared Goff that we've ever seen at the same time. Um, but Cam Akers had, you know, 29 carries for 171 yards. He, you know, as we talked about, he was one of our, I, I told everybody to bet the over on his yards, um, both last week and this week um, have been, you know, two good bets for me. Um, but, you know, this offense is really hit or miss on who's going to be the star each week. Um, it's it's very reminiscent of like the uh, early 2010s Sean Payton offenses um, where you never really knew who to start because every different week it was going to be a different guy getting the touchdowns. It was going to be a guy, different guy getting the targets. Um, and that's something that we're really seeing with this Rams offense. Last week we saw Robert Woods lead the way with 11 targets. We saw Cooper Cup with nine targets. Uh, most of the scoring that game was done via the rush, um, except for the one touchdown pass for Tyler Higby. And that's something that we kind of saw again in this past game, um, last night against the Patriots, we saw, uh, 
We saw the leading target getter again be Robert Woods with eight targets. Cooper Cup again in second place, albeit with only five targets. And then you have no, uh, got nobody else with more than three targets in the entire game. This is an offense that seemingly can adapt to its situation each week. You know, Jared Goff didn't look great, and the running game was clearly working um, with with Acres out there. So this is, you know, it was it's a good to see that an offense can adapt itself to its situations when the running game is working stick to the running game and throw when you, when, you know, you deem it necessary. Um, and then flip to the passing game. If you have a pass heavy game where you, you know, you know, you either need to throw the ball because you're trailing or it's a close game or it's a game where, you know, your running backs just aren't getting anything going and you're, you're, you're getting the passes going. You know, this is something that's obviously really good to see and really encouraging out of this Rams team. Something that makes you think that maybe they can make a pretty deep run this year. I definitely see it, man. You know, this Rams team, I mean, you know, they're 9-4. They're sitting pretty pretty, you know. I mean, you know, Jared Goff, you know, Cam, Cam Newton didn't really have the game that, like, you know, um, spectators expect to see out there, you know, like 300 yards, 300-plus yards, uh, two touchdowns, three touchdowns, you know, no interceptions. They like to see that interception column zero. But if you just take it away for a second, you know, 137 yards, 5.5 yards per, uh, per throw, right? And a touchdown and interception. I get that's bad. That's terrible. It's a terrible stat line with the rating of 74.9. But then, like like you mentioned, why step away from the run game if it's working? You know? 29 carries, 171 yards. Cam Akers averaging 6 yards per carry. This is insane. Like, if you're having success running the football like that, there's no reason to stop. And, like, to me, Jared Goff's stat line doesn't mean much. Because if you look, look at the if you look at the Los Angeles Rams run game, absolute brilliance. You know, 186 yards, 5.2, 5.2 um, uh, yards per carry, and 36 carries as a team. So, and you know that prop you talked about, Cam Akers. I think it was over 45 yards. He hit it on the first drive, 35 yard run, and I'm like, yeah, we got that. Yeah, I, I like I said, you know, I tweeted it. He had he had 41 of the 44 or 45 yards that we needed on that first carry. Cam Akers was my running back two in this draft for a reason. The only running back I had higher than him was DeAndre Swift. But mm -hmm. you see, guys, you know, people were super high on Akers, like myself, and Akers was kind of in a you know in a a bad situation in this Rams team where they had Henderson, who they essentially told would be the starter um, with the with Gurley leaving the offense. You have Malcolm Brown who, you know, succeeds at times and has good moments, but he's not he's not the explosive running back. He's not, you know, super, super, you know, crazy when it comes to really anything in the fantasy world or in the actual football world. But he's a solid back who can, you know, definitely eat the yardage. It's really nice to see that a team is trusting their rookie running backs we've seen it before where it's been a failure but we've also seen it where it's been a success once deandre swift finally received the starting role in detroit adrian peterson came out and said he should have been the starting running back for weeks and that's you know it's almost as if that drop pass against the bears in week one literally like put him in matt patricia's doghouse sorry not matt patricia eddie p lions fan i know it's a joke just let me roll with it um but you know, we're seeing these rookie running backs finally come alive. And this is something that excites me as a fantasy football player and as just a sports fan. I feel that too often teams, especially in the NFL, especially at skill positions, they baby their players into their offense. And it just seems like it's not necessarily an issue. 
You know, we're seeing wide receivers like Justin Jefferson, who's arguably at this point already a top 10 receiver in football. We're seeing Cam Akers finally start to go off. We've seen DeAndre Swift go off at times. We've seen really good games out of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. We've seen really good games out of uh, C.D. Lamb. We've seen good games here and there out of Judy and Ruggs as well. Teams need to just be willing to turn these talents loose and, you know, use them while you can. You know, it's a lot better to get production out of your run- your wide receivers now or your running backs now versus putting out guys who really aren't being all that productive and before we preview week 14 let me just let me just clarify what you just said and i love it dude because if you give the rookie a chance you he understands the nfl landscape and he understands the game around and and like you know and i and i love cam makers you know i also had david montgomery up there too but like you know these two running backs david montgomery and Cam Akers have played behind two terrible offensive lines in college. You know, I would argue that Cam Akers was the offense at Florida State when they were so bad, right? I think he went to Florida State, right? Yeah, I think he did. Yep. But um, And then Iowa State, where Darren Montgomery was, terrible offensive line too. But then you have the traits of, like, you know, this guy can break tackles. He's elusive, you know. And granted, in Chicago, the run game is used – kind of shitty right now but then again you know you have to use that r- rookie talent that you have you have to expend that rookie talent because you won't know until you don't um like you just said you won't know until you put those guys out there and let them unleash that talent so you look, talked about cd lamb's terrific catch a couple of weeks ago I, like i didn't even think he was going to come down with that but he just turned his hips and just got that i was just Man, like I'm just excited, you know. College football, you know, all these all these draft prospects are a lot of years to come. They're just gonna keep on getting better and better and better. And like I think NFL clubs just need to realize that. Yeah, it's it's definitely an exciting time for the football world right now, especially when you consider that many people consider this year's wide receiver class to be better than last year's. And last year's class had guys like Lamb, had guys like Justin Jefferson coming out. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm excited, man. These these next few years in football are gonna be real fun. Real fun indeed, man. So, what are you? Uh, what are we looking forward to week fourteen, man? There's a couple of games here. Um, you know, I, I'm not. I haven't really looked at the schedule that thoroughly here. I mean, I think the Colts and Raiders can be a good game. I'm just scrolling through my phone here. I think Packers and Lions like, will be a blow up for the Packers, for the favorite and Packers. So, um, Saints Eagles. Um, Jalen Hurst is going to start against the Saints. I don't know how that's going to go for that game. Um, 49ers in Washington. I actually picked Washington as my dog for that game. Uh, Steelers and Bills is actually another good game. And then you have um, Ravens and Browns Monday Night Football. So um, take a crack at it. What do you like, man? Yeah, so the game that I'm probably the most interested to watch is is going to be the Kansas City and Miami game. Um, this is a Miami team that we've seen perform obviously very well this year. Um, you know, they've consistently been putting in good performances even since they've turned to Tua. Tua hasn't really blown me away, but he's obviously you know efficient enough to run the offense. Miles Gaskin is back, and they're very clearly willing to use him in a work workhorse role. His first game back last week, he had almost you know over 20 touches. So this is a team that we're finally seeing. You know, this is going to be the real test for them is can they compete with a team like Kansas City obviously they're eight and four um, they've been putting up like I said good numbers all year their defense has been phenomenal one of the most underrated defenses in football and a defense that I didn't even you know really give you know proper credit for or proper credit to but they've got the second least points given up in all of football they've only given up one more point than the Steelers and we all know how good that Steelers defense has been but I think this is finally going to be the test for Miami to really show 
you know, if they can hang with the big boys, obviously they've had some, you know, some good games here against some good, some good teams. Um, they, you know, they beat the Cardinals when, you know, Kyler was still fully healthy. They beat the Rams. Um, they beat the 49ers earlier in the year after starting, you know, pretty slow, you know, after a three and one start, they've only lost one of their last, you know, 10 games. Um, sorry, I can't do math here. Eight games. Um, but they've also, you know, the performances that we have seen in recent weeks have been against below average teams. Um, you know, this is, they beat the Chargers 29 to 21, uh, lost to the Broncos 20 to 13. And this Broncos team's obviously not, you know, knocking anybody's socks off this year. Um, and then we have a win over the Jets and a win over the Bengals that maybe the teams, you know, maybe they did play a little bit more conservatively because they knew they, you know, didn't really have to try their hardest per se. Um, but it'll, so this is finally the matchup where, you know, we'll really get to see if this Dolphins team can shine. Yeah, man, I'm excited for this game. I'm, I'm looking at the spread and the bets right now. I mean, look, I'm I'm kind of leaning towards Miami's plus seven and a half. I mean, I really think that this defense, though, led by Brian Flores, they can actually, you know, I mean, um, could disrupt up Patrick Mahomes there a little bit. But, like, you know, I mean, Patrick Mahomes, when he is uh, under duress, I mean, you know what he could see on the field, and you know what he what he could do to to you like if you just give him a, just a little bit time there out of the pocket so i mean you know i'm excited for this game but the game that i love man and i'm sure that you would agree with me with this one um the colts and raiders man i really want to see a rivers and um Derek carr matchup granted Derek carr for the last couple of games has been kind of slow ever since that chiefs game um they got blown out by the falcons and then they won against the jets granted the jets did want to lose that game let's be real they're tanking um but if we're talking about this game, the Colts and Raiders game, um, I'm really looking for a game um, from Jonathan Taylor. I really like him. Uh, since his um, last game, 13 carries, 91 yards, I believe, I really think that he can go off against the Raiders defense. Um, so that's something to look out for. I mean, Phillip Rivers and Derek Carr, I think they're going to duel in passing too as well. Um, of course, you're going to see Darren Waller have that explosive game. Um you know, Darren Waller, I think um, I think he and Kelsey are one of the best tight ends in the league. It's, I think it's still up there for debate, but like at the end of the day, um, it's Kelsey that will take it away. Better blocker, better receiver, and um, can play the can play the wide receiver position as well. But then Darren Waller is knocking on that door, man, and I'm looking for another game for him too. What are you looking at, man, for this game? Yeah, I really like that game. As you said, you know, the key for me is definitely going to be the running game. This is a, a Raiders team that has given up you know, pretty good rushing games over the past few games that they've played um, against the Chiefs. They gave up 94 yards, three touchdowns uh, against the, you know, against the Falcons, 124 yards and a touchdown last week, the Jets with backup running backs, um, essentially with Frank Gore missing some time due to that concussion, you know, 180 yards and a touchdown. These are, this is a, a Raiders defense. that's definitely been beatable recently. And that's something that we've seen is this Raiders team is kind of fallen off for lack of a better term. Um, you know, they started the season pretty well. Um, they started, you know, uh, they, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, six and three. Um, and then in the last three games, we've seen, you know, a two and one uh, record out of them or a one and two record out of them. Sorry. Um, so obviously, you know, Josh Jacobs is missing some time with the ankle injury is questionable this week. So that'll be, you know, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Um, but this is a Raiders team that's definitely beatable with, a, you know, the run can definitely beat them. So that's definitely something to look out for. I also want to keep an eye on Rivers. You know, he's been nursing an injury um, to his foot over the past few weeks. And it's something that we've seen, you know, we've seen reports come out that he is going to need surgery on it at the end of the year. But this is a Colts team that's looked really damn good, um, especially over the past few weeks. 
you know, beating the Texans, obviously big for them. They had a poor game against the Titans, but had beat them two weeks prior, uh, beat the Packers three weeks ago. So we've seen some really good performances out of this Colts team. So it'll come down to what Colts team we essentially get this week. Um, but I do think there's a lot of potential in this game for, you know, some really good performances. And also you mentioned the Colts, that defense is going to be um, on, um, well, that defense is going to be really, really prepared. So, I mean, um, uh, if Josh Jacobs can't go, then Devontae Booker is going to have his hands full against the defense. So, um, uh, hopefully Josh Jacobs can go. I mean, if not, then, I mean, Devontae Booker is going to have a rough day on Sunday, I really think. I mean, you know, DeForest Buckner's out there, Darius Leonard's out there, and some, a lot of some some really, really good playmakers on that um, Indianapolis defense. So, um, any other games, Jake? Um, so, I said the Ra- so, I said the Raiders and Colts game, so I'm going to bounce it back to you. So, what other games do you like for Week 14? Yeah, so the other game that I'm really looking forward to see how it turns out, um, mostly because I have a lot of money on the underdog here, is this Buccaneers-Vikings game. Um, These are two teams that really, you know, have a lot of potential to put up really good games. Um, But we've also seen some very bad games out of both teams. Um, You know, Brady's finally starting to look a little bit better, but he's still, you know, a little bit shaky. He's, you know, arguably having one of the worst seasons that we've seen out of him in recent years. Um, That's not to knock him at all. He's still obviously been a very productive player. Um, But, you know, the Buccaneers are the favorites in this game, and I don't necessarily know if they should be. Um, The only real benefit, you know, the real things that we're seeing – Kyle Rudolph is doubtful for this game. Irv Smith is questionable. So we may not even see either tight end play. So it'll be backup tight ends there, which obviously huge game for Justin Jefferson and Thielen potentially. Um, But this is a Buccaneers team that's really good against the run. And... So how how is you know how are they gonna adapt their game plan with Dalvin Cook? Especially a Dalvin Cook that's seen, you know crazy amount of touches in these past few weeks he's topped 30 touches twice in the past four weeks um you know 32 to, i think it 38 total touches um in this last game that they played so how is this you know if this if the Kirk cousins that they get is the Kirk cousins that we've seen these past few weeks where he's been one of the most productive quarterbacks in all of football and fantasy football um with multiple 30 point weeks over the past four um you know if we get that Kirk cousins this game could turn into a shootout and it's a game where I definitely could actually see the Vikings coming away with the win. I agree because, like, if they can try to find a way to, like, um, because I, as you mentioned, um, Kirk Cousins has been really productive for the last couple of weeks here. So if if we can see that Kirk Cousins, then I really think that, like, um, I look, I think this is your underdog pick too. So, um, yeah, I I actually have the Vikings winning this game, so I, I don't have much to say. Yeah, uh, it's definitely a game where, you know, it's going to come down to can the can the Vikings defense stave off the the Buccaneers attack for long enough to get a lead. If they can get a lead and they're going to force Brady to, you know, make throws that he hasn't been completing this year, I think they stand a really good chance to, you know, to beat this Buccaneers team. And, you know, this Vikings team has been a surprise for a lot of people to really be you know, as good of a team as they have been over these past few weeks. You know, they've won four out of their last five games for a reason. They This is a team that's really turned it around. So, you know, I'm really intrigued to see how this game's going to turn out. Same, man, because, like, you know, I, like, 
Man, if Kirk Cousins, like, if he can try to find a way to, like, you know, light up the scoreboard, man, 300 yards, three touchdowns, and I, and I know he can do it. If he has, if he had all these productive weeks and, and he can try to put together one giant week of production here in week 14, uh, give me the Vikings, man, all day. Plus six and a half. Good value there, man. Uh, some other games, man, uh, Texans and Bears. Um, I have the Texans winning that. Um, what do you, what, uh, who do you like in that game? Yeah, I've got the Texans winning that game. Um, this is a Bears team that, you know, they haven't been good, for lack of a better term. Um, everybody's talking about, you know, we've seen the offense turn around in the last few weeks, which, yes, we have. But, again, this is something that I, on Twitter, predicted would happen um, with worse defenses coming. You know, I said, don't be surprised to see decent numbers out of Mitch Trubisky for the first time all year because, you know, they're finally playing teams that have worse defenses. And this is a Texans team that's definitely beatable. Um, but do we really see do we really see somewhere that this Texans team can't beat us? Their their quarterback's better than ours. Rushing wise, yes, Montgomery's better than David Johnson, but how much are we gonna commit to the run game after last week? In the first half, I was super excited. In the second half, lost all hope that anything was going to happen rushing-wise. Um, the receivers, you know, obviously Allen Robinson, you're going to say he's better than than Brandon Cooks. But past that, I like their receivers better than ours. I like their tight ends, you know, with the way that they're being used better than ours. This is just a game that I can't see the Bears winning. Um, and so I, I, I definitely have to agree with you. And it should say everything that it needs to say when we are a point and a half underdog to a team with the worst record that is consensusly ranked worse than us and is missing their number one wide wide receiver and has almost no production out of their running backs. That should tell you all that it needs to say. Yeah, absolutely. I don't even want to get into it. Let's just move on to the last couple of games here in week 14 that we can move on into our fantasy football overview and what we had for last night and what we can look forward to on Sunday. Uh, Cowboys and Bengals. Um, I think maybe um, if the Bengals can pull this off, I mean this 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 is this is the Cowboys team that's three and three and nine that you just saw last week um, get completely deflated or this just past Monday just be completely deflated by the Ravens. You know I completely get it. You know uh, a lot of injuries. They lost their starting quarterback. You know you're a, of course as a person, as a player, and as a teammate. You know you are going to be in a shitty mood throughout the entire season. So um, I, I like the Bengals in this game. I'm, I'm just doing pick-ems right here and just um, just talking to Jake about them. But, like, who do you like, man? Yeah, um, I don't know. That's a game that I'm really torn on. Um, I think Dallas is going to win, but I could see it go either way. You know, this is a Dallas team that's been horrible. Um, their defense is ranks 32nd in everything. They're literally the worst defensive football when it comes to almost every single stat or metric out there. And their offense has been better um, with Dalton under, under center than with, um, than we saw with like Ben DiNucci out there. Um, but again, that's not saying much. I do think Dallas probably pulls it out here, but this is a game that I personally want no part of. Um, I'm keeping, I'm not betting on a single thing in this game. I'm just, I obviously, um, for the weekly picks that we did, I did, you know, pick a winner in this game. Um, but that's because, you know, I was kind of forced to, this is a game that I probably won't even watch as I have almost no fantasy interest in this game whatsoever. That being said, um, in this game, there are a couple of guys that I do like CD lamb. Um, like I said, want to see if he can continue building on these big weeks. Um, you know, continue to be a consistent receiver. Um, 
this is a good matchup for Gio Bernard. You know, he's been almost nothing these past few weeks. Um, so he hasn't really performed super well. Um, but that being said, these past five regular season games, especially the last couple games, you know, we've seen a very bad Dallas defense against the run. And with obviously the passing game not working insanely well, we probably see them lean on Bernard a little bit more heavy here. Um, and that's it. So, you know, if you're a Giovanni Bernard owner, you know, this is a week to kind of be a little bit excited about. Um, obviously, you know, it's not ideal having to plug a backup into your lineup every single week. But if you have to, you know, this isn't a bad week to to look at that. Definitely. Uh, I mean, I, I like the Bengals. I mean, I really like the, um, what the back quarterback is providing there. I think it's Ryan Finley. I don't know who it is. but like yeah. Brandon Allen. Oh, Brandon Allen. Yeah. I think uh, Finley or Lindley or whoever it was, it was the last year's backup quarterback, I think. Um, but, like, it's Brandon Allen now. So, I mean, hopefully um, – I think Giovanni Bernard is on, is on my fantasy – fantasy team so i mean i really hope that he can get some touches there um because joe mixing this out so anyways speaking of let's move into our fantasy segment here i mean we can sit here and talk about most of the games here of week 14 but you know uh we talked about the games that we like um of course like we can talk about the jets and seahawks and we already know who's going to win that game the seahawks are um and uh but jake who do you got like what are we looking forward to in this fantasy outlook for this week 14 man yeah, for sure. So I've got a few guys that I'm really looking to keep an eye on. Um, I'm expecting a big game out of uh, a few guys. One guy that I'm really looking towards here, uh, Robbie Anderson. Uh, Anderson's been uh, wide receiver 17 on the year in PPR formats. Um, but with DJ Moore being out, we probably see a little bit of a heavier dose of Robbie Anderson in this matchup against Denver. Curtis Samuel did come off the COVID list today, so he's obviously going to take some touches. But they're not running the same route tree. They're not even in the same kind of concepts at all in the plays that they are being used on. So I could see a really big game. Even though Denver's pass defense has been pretty solid this year, um, they rank in the top 10. Um but I, you know, Robbie Anderson's a guy who's been getting the targets pretty much all year, and his main threat for pretty much the past five weeks is no longer in the lineup. So I think we're going to see a big game for Anderson here. Uh, Tyler Lockett, I think it's time for him to have a big game again. Um, obviously, three weeks ago against Arizona, he had a pretty good game, 21.7 uh, points, nine catches for 67 yards and a touchdown. Um, but sprinkled in there, he's got a seven-point game, an eight-point game, two 12-point games, and a five-point game. I think this is a, a matchup that I like for him um, where he's really going to get a chance to shine. You know, I wouldn't be surprised to see Metcalf shadowed this week a little bit or even just, you know, doubled, uh, you know, a little bit more frequently because he's the guy that you really have to worry about not to knock lock it at all but Metcalf's the guy that the ball gets in his hands and he's going to take off at any second so I wouldn't be surprised to see some coverage out of him uh, and then a guy I touched on a little bit earlier that I'm expecting to see a good game out of is Miles Gaskin um, Gaskin like I said he's really been you know the workhorse in the games that he's played um, he's had 20 touches in basically every game that he's been the full-time starter this week since week five um, week four against Seattle he didn't um, but the week prior he had 27 touches but you know this is a guy that they're really liking to feed when he's out on the field um, this is an offense that is more effective when you can get to a moving a little bit and being able to get Gaskins back has been you know a boost for them and this is a Kansas City team that's been in the, you know they're not very good against the run um, they're not bad by any means they're probably you know pretty close to league average um, but Gaskins a guy that I really wouldn't be surprised to see go off this week um, and then from a position that uh, I have vocally hated pretty much all year um, I'm looking for a real big game here out of Mike Gesicki um, Gesicki's a guy that we were all super high on you know early in the year um, he was you know a consensus top pick for 
you know, many fantasy managers out there when it came to the tight end position past, you know, kind of the main group of guys. Um, but Kasiki, he's his stats haven't necessarily been there. Um, but we finally saw a big game out of him last week. Um, he had 11 targets with nine catches, 88 yards and a touchdown. Um against Cincinnati and Kansas city has been a team that in the past few weeks has not been very good at defending tight ends, um, against Las Vegas. You know, they had the second worst game of the week against tight ends, uh, week, uh, two weeks ago against Tampa Bay. They had the fifth worst week that we've ever seen. Their only good week in recent memory, um, was the last game against Denver. And that was a game where nothing really went right for anybody, um, outside of the start there for Kansas city. Um, no, you know, the game didn't consistently, you know, have a lot of action. It didn't have a lot that was going on for the tight end position, but this is a Kansas city team. It's, you know, it's struggled against the tight end this year. So he's, he's a guy that I'm actually looking for a big game out of uh, a few guys that I'm looking to shy away from this week, Christian Kirk. Um, Kirk has, you know, the giants have been really good against receivers this year and Kirk has seen his target share drop tremendously um, since Larry Fitzgerald has come back. Um, he had multiple wide receiver one weeks in a row, and then he's been wide receiver 50 over the past four weeks in PPR leagues. So he's not been very productive basically since, you know, since the last good game that he had um, over his last four games uh, over the Giants last four games. Sorry. Um, they have been the uh, they've given the least amount of points to fantasy wide receivers um, based off of standard scoring, um, according to Roto Baller. So this is something that we're seeing. The Giants are really doing a good job of shutting down wide receivers. So this game, it'll be, you know, interesting to see if Kirk can even really salvage anything or if this is a, basically a DeAndre Hopkins only game. Another guy that I'm probably shying away from this week is Kareem Hunt. Um, Hunt's not been very productive um, over the past few weeks. You know, we haven't seen a huge game out of him um, like we have in the past. Haven't really seen, you know, crazy performances. Um, you know, last week he had 14 rushes for 33 yards. The week prior he was decent where he had 10 catches for, or 10 rushes for 62 yards. Um, but the week prior to that against Philadelphia, 13 rushes for 11 yards. So he's he's been kind of on a downhill trend. And this is a Ravens defense that has been extremely good against the run. Um, but one of the best run defenses in football. So he's a guy that I'm really shying away from this coming week. Um, and then another guy that I really don't like at all this week is Taysom Hill. Um, I'm going to continue to say it, Taysom hill is not a good quarterback his passing you know skill isn't a, what it should be to be an nfl starter he gets by with his legs but this is a you know philly's been pretty good against the pass in the past few games so this is a guy i'm looking to shy away from wow there you have it by the fantasy guru jake perry following him once again on twitter jake perry 34 did you drink some water in the middle of that or no no i didn't i was dying at the end there Oh, okay. Yeah, I can just hear that ice just like, you know, moving up and down in that jug there. That's just insane. Oh my god. But like, dude, just just to touch up on what we had on Twitter last night, our citizens and stardoms, um, I don't know if you guys followed them, but we pretty much hit them last night. Not the bets. We'll talk about the bets later, but like we had Cam Akers stardom, we had Cooper Cup, and we had Robert Woods stardom all. Granted, you know, Robert Woods didn't have like a, a good game, uh, well, both, right? A PPR stand um, from a, from a PPR standpoint and from a from a normal fantasy football league standpoint. But you know, Cooper Cup, yes, he did. He had the thirty yards and he had a touchdown, so that's going to give you some value in a PPR league in a normal league. Cam Akers for sure, and then we had Cam Newton, Daryl Henderson, and Mal Malcolm Brown, and all the Patriot Patriots wide receivers um, sit him, and that was just I, we we hit them all, right? I think. 
Yeah. So obviously, like I said, the Roberts, the Robert Woods thing, you know, he had the target share that was there. He had eight targets. He led the team in targets. He had a third of his team's total targets. Um, so these are all, you know, encouraging things that we really do like to see. But as, as I kind of noted earlier, they got out to a lead and the Patriots couldn't do anything. So why stop running the ball? You know, they're just there at, at that point to burn time off the clock and get them going home. Malcolm Brown, zero points, didn't have a single rush, um, zero catches on one target. Uh, Dar- uh, Henderson had two rushes for five yards. Patriots wide receivers, the only one that you really could make an argument for is Demiri Bird, who is not a guy that you're probably starting unless you're in a super deep league anyway. He had five catches for 48 yards. So, you know, in PPR, he gets you 9.8 points, which is it's decent, but that's not what we're looking for. That's what nobody's looking for. But, you know, Nikhil Harry, um, three catches, 49 yards. Jacoby Myers, four catches, 47 yards. This this Patriots offense stinks. Cam Newton cannot throw the ball, and if he can't run the ball well, then they're getting nothing done. You know, that's, you know, I was hoping they'd at least, obviously, you know, I I picked the James White touchdown last night. Um, The odds were, you know, it was like plus 420, so some odds that would have paid out pretty well if it hit. Um, And then... um, he, they just never got into a position to really use him effectively and get him in the end zone there. But Cam Newton, man, he he's not a good quarterback. He's had, if you look at his past five games, his past five I games, agree. the one game makes sense. There's one good game in there. And that was the game against Houston where he threw for 365 yards and a touchdown but still lost. But if you look past that, Baltimore, 118 yards and a touchdown. Arizona. 84 yards, no touchdown, two picks. Chargers, obviously they won that game. He didn't need to be a good quarterback, but he had 19 attempts, 12 completions for 69 yards, averaging less than four yards per pass, per completed pass. Not even per completed, yeah, per completed pass, about four, you know, four, four and a half yards there, less than four yards per attempt. And then this past week, 16, nine for 16 for 119 yards and an interception. He is not a good quarterback. Jared Stidham came in and in one drive, he had four completions for five. Yeah, four completions on five attempts. Didn't have a ton of yards out of it, but he looked like a better quarterback. You watch Cam Newton throw a ball and it's bad. I like anybody who's recommending you to start Cam Newton at this point is trying to get you to throw your league. He's not a good quarterback and his rushing numbers are not going to even put him in in a spot for me where it can even put him on contention. No, I agree. I think Cam Newton's days are behind him. There's, I mean, there's a lot of people that, like, you know, they still have that, like, standness. I said I would call it. Like, put some ear quotes around a stand. I guess they stand Cameron Newton. Uh, but I guess, like, like their argument could be, like, if he was healthy. But, like, let's be real, guys. A Linz Frank injury is something that, like, can never go back to 100%. It can only go up to, like, a 95 But you're still going to have that little limp when you're walking some like you're not going to notice it if you're looking at the person walking towards you but that person as he's walking he is limping but you don't see it in front of you but like that's what like i i hurt my ankle like three or four times in football and i sprained my lens frank and god for fucking sake that hurts so much like i can't even express how much that hurts but like now this is not me defending cam newton at all it's just, just like an injury and um, like you look at this, you look at the numbers in the past: 2018, 2017, 2016, 2015, and fine. Throwing 2014 and 2013 too. That was Cam Newton's prime, and then and this is where um, in 2019 and 2018 is where he um, plateaued it. And then 
2020 is where he's looking for a new team. There's a lot of there was a lot of buzz coming out that like the Patriots should be fined for signing Cam Newton, or like not fined, but um, it should be unfair for the Patriots to sign Cam Newton, right? Um, and you know, it ended up um, in in a a grenade in their lap, right? So, um, 66, 66% completion rate to, uh, 21, 2100 yards, five touchdowns and 10 interceptions at a rating of 78.9. And as you mentioned, Jake, he had three games under a hundred yards. And, um, th- two of those just came, um, came, um, right before this one, um, week 13. No, not sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Week 13 and week 12 were the games that he had a hundred, uh, less than a hundred yards. So that's, uh, I mean, not what I was expecting from Cam Newton this year. I, I really thought that foot was okay, but, I mean, he's just not good. Here's Here says here describes Cam Newton's entire season in one sentence. In 2015, Cam Newton had three games where he threw five touchdowns or more. In 2020, Cam Newton has played – uh, hold on, I just lost it. Oh, geez. Cam Newton has played 12 games, five passing touchdowns on the year. That's all it needs to it's say. It's hurtful. He's it's not hurtful. a good quarterback I mean, anymore. He's not. He's either playing through an injury or he's completely lost it, but fade Cam Newton for the rest of the year. Well, of course. I mean, faded him. Uh, I've been I've been fading him since the start of the season. I mean, come on. I mean, I'm not going to start a quarterback that can, can give me 155 yards to open up the season. I mean, yeah, he started the second second week, right? Seahawks uh, 397 yards with that. I think that Seahawks game was the best game of his season, right? And I mean, if you want to throw in that that Texans game, I guess, but that's it. Like that, those are the only two games that Cam Newton played his maximal potential in, and like. Last night you saw it like he was just pitiful. Last night I was I was throwing up. I mean this this is not the Cam that I saw at Auburn or at um or at Carolina running over people. This is just the Cam that like is a person that actually is just just not playing right. I mean he is Cam Newton, but he's just not good for the last couple of weeks here. So it is what it is. Yeah, man, it's just uh, it sucks to see. Obviously, Cam was a he's, he's super talented when some, when right. everything's working for him, but it's just not there anymore, man. That's all it is. No, I agree. I agree. So let's just um, hop right into our betting segment here. Um, Jake, uh, I got a couple of bets. You got a couple of bets. Do you want to go first? Yeah. So um, when I'm looking at the the player props for this week, um, there's a few bets that I'm kind of leaning towards. Uh, the first one being James Robinson under 80.5 rushing yards. Um, I have a few reasons for this. James Robinson, obviously, he's been a super talented player. He's been, you know, kind of a, a hidden gem for this team. Uh, you know, coming out of Illinois State, nobody expected really much of anything out of him, and especially early on in the season where you know nobody really knew what was going to happen. Um, but when you look at his 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 usage and his production this year, he has done well in games where his team is in contention. He's done well when his teams have been close. Uh, Cleveland, for example, that was a very close game against the, the, the Browns. He had 22 carries for 128 yards and a touchdown. He had a good game against Green Bay, which, again, it was a close game for his team. 24 to 20 is what they ended up losing. Um, he went 23 for 109. 
Houston, he went 25 for 99 in a touchdown. Again, a super close game. But you look at games where he's not being used as much, um, games where his teams have struggled a little bit, uh, specifically the Pittsburgh game, you know, against a good, a, a really good defense, he's put up some decent numbers. But this is a game where the Titans have shown that they can get out to a big lead super early. This is a Titans team that we've really seen know good performances out of and they can put up numbers very quickly and get teams really kind of demoralized early on and you know get good performances out of them that being said you know we have seen a streak of really good games the past six weeks have all been really good for for Robinson so maybe it's my bias here a little bit maybe he's due for a clunker here um the the odds in this bet are minus 110 so it's not a crazy bet by any means not going to turn a huge profit but it's something that I definitely could see happen um, another bet that I do like is uh, Kirk Cousins over 200, basically over 270 passing yards. Um, this is a Kirk Cousins that, like I talked about earlier, has been uber productive these past few weeks, um, and especially against this game. Like I've noted, you know, Dalvin Cook is going to be, you know, he may struggle a little bit because this is a team that's really good against the run um, and can't. And you know, Cousins has put up 292 yards, 313 yards, 307 yards, 305 yards in in close games. So his teams have been keeping games close. And like we said, this could be a really close game here. Um, the last time that he played the Buccaneers, um, he went 33 for 40 for 317 and three touchdowns, which was in 2015. Um, but this is a you know, a Kirk Cousins that's really putting up good numbers here. And so this is something that I feel pretty comfortable with. And then the last thing that I like is an Evan Ingram touchdown. Um, just the anytime touchdown. We got plus 270 odds on that one. Um, Ingram's clearly the most talented offensive player on that team. Um, and it's somebody that, you know, we definitely could see used very heavily here. Um, he's not their most productive receiver in terms of yardage, um, mostly due to, you know, Slayton kind of being their big play guy. Um, but Engram has been, you know, a consistent, you know, consistent good performer when he's been out on the field here. Um, he's played, you know, played 12 games. So he's been, you know, in every single game. Um, but he's had, you know, some injury issues here and there. But he hasn't scored a lot of touchdowns this year. But this is a matchup that really plays to his strengths really well. Um, we're, you know, this is a Cardinals team that's not great against tight ends. Uh, we've seen it, you know, this year where they, they've given up some good, you know, good games to tight ends. Um, so this is a game that I, you know, I definitely could see Engram getting in the end zone here. Plus it, plus 270 you know it returns a good profit um and it's not too high risk if you you know if it happens to not not come to fruition that's something i really like to look for with my bets um is i like to look at things where the matchups play in our favor but it also i tend to lean towards things that we haven't seen happen a whole lot so we haven't seen a lot of touchdowns out of Engram. he's due um and i think it's time that we see a touchdown out of him definitely and like with the way the giants are playing right now um um, I, is Danny Dimes back, or what's what's the deal with the quarterback situation there? I think he's listed as questionable. Let me look here. Let me I haven't actually looked, but regardless, whether whatever quarterback's in, I like it. Um, yeah, he's listed as questionable, um, but they noted that he did look good at practice, and he was a full participant Friday. So um, I would expect that we probably do see Danny Dimes out there. Um, and he likes he likes throwing Ingram. You know, he likes his big target, and I think it's something that we'll probably see. You know, see something happen. I'm personally going to take that bet. So for my bets, I actually have Derrick Henry over six and a half yards receiving. And this is just cake, guys. I mean, he just needs to get one reception and that's seven yards. And I mean, like, if he starts off the game with uh, a negative reception, I mean, like, he is going to get a third, uh, a second and a third opportunity to get it. So, I mean, um, seven yards, easy money there. I think it is. Um, 
For the second one, I have Cleveland first half over 10.5 points against the Baltimore Ravens. You see how this Baltimore Ravens um, defense is playing. I mean, granted, they are getting players back from COVID, and people are coming off the COVID list. So um, this is a... I really do see like a Baker Mayfield touchdown in the first uh, first quarter, then another touchdown. I mean, like it is eleven points in the first two quarters. I mean, I can really see that for Cleveland with the way that they're playing. Um, for my third bet, I have Green Bay. Um, this is um, one of my second locks. I don't have this as my first lock, um, but uh, and we'll get into that. Um, I have Green Bay minus seven and a half. Um, I think without Jeffrey Okuda and without um, Kenny Galladay, I really think Aaron Rodgers lights up that secondary. Four touchdowns for the man in 12 and green. Um, so, yeah, Green Bay minus seven and a half. Um, in my fourth bet, um, I added, as you were talking, um, Jake, I added plus seven and a half Miami. I really think that this defense can hang in there against the Chiefs. I, I, think, I really do think... We see another game like the Chiefs face Denver. I think this is going to be like a slow game to start, and then um, the scoring will um, gradually increase. Uh, not exponentially, but gradually increase. It's going to be like a 21-27 to 27 game, Chiefs, I want to say, barely covering the spread. Um, but like uh, going into my locks and dogs, um, which is also another betting segment that we do, my dog is I got the Washington football team. To beat the San Francisco 49ers, and I, and I, and my lock is the Kansas City Chiefs. But then I have the uh, uh, Miami Dolphins covering the spread. Uh, Jake, man, for your lock and dog. Yeah, man, I like your picks a lot. Um, there's definitely some really good, um, really good picks there. Some picks that I almost went with myself. Um, so personally, my underdog for the week, as I talked about earlier, is the Minnesota Vikings. I think this is a game that the Vikings definitely can put up really good numbers. Um, definitely have a chance to beat this team. Um, they're plus, they're six and a half point underdogs. Uh, the bet on them is plus 250 as a post of our tweet. Um, so this is a, you know, this is a game that I really like and I really see the Vikings, you know, putting up good numbers. Um, they've been consistently a really good team and this is a beatable Buccaneers team. So I like the Vikings as my underdog. My lock for the week is the Tennessee Titans. Um, this is a Titans team that I just do not see losing to the Jaguars. Um, the Jaguars are a team that's obviously not looking to compete. Um, hence the reason they're throwing Jake Lutton out there and they're throwing, um, Mike Glennon out there, they they don't want to win games. They know that that Gardner Minshew is the best quarterback on that roster, and they know that all it takes is for the Jets to mess up and win one or two games, and all of a sudden, they're in the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes. So, you know, this is a team that we're not going to see, you know, a lot of fight out of. So I'm taking the Titans, minus 7.5, and, and I believe the spread on the – yeah, so minus 7.5, and, and then they're a minus 355 favorite right now. Um, so – you know, I'm, I'm, I'm locking that one in. I don't see a single way in the world that the Titans lose this game. I definitely agree with you. And with the games they just had against the Cleveland Browns, like going down early and actually coming back and just losing that game within six, count me in for the Titans for a lock. Give me the spread and give me the money line. I actually might do a same-game parlay where I, I actually might take the under, the money line, and the spread for the Tennessee Titans. I think they actually come back and absolutely destroy the Jags. I mean, obviously the Jags, I think, are in contention of the second second pick in the NFL draft. So, um, yeah, I mean, give me the Titans and also by a lot. 37 to 10, I think. I mean, I don't think the I, I don't think the Jaguars, even though if they have Mike Lennon or all the Chanel and all the playmakers they have, I don't think they can hang with the Titans. Yeah, it's I just, I don't, they're not trying to win games. And that's, is like, I'm going to bet against them for the rest of the year because they're not going to try and win a single game. Um, they're, they're 
throwing out their worst run, their worst quarterback. You know, they are that's simply what they're doing. They're just not trying to win games. And it's, it's pretty clear they're trying to, you know, keep themselves in games so it doesn't look like they're throwing that hard. But this is a team that's not trying to win a single football game. You think they want to play themselves out of a top three pick at this point? No, not this late in the season. No, I definitely agree. I mean, like, you want to secure your um, your, your top three draft pick. And, like, uh, and, like, definitely you want to actually go into, like, you don't want to go into the game with a losing mentality, but, like, you just want to play the game and then lose it in the final stages. So, I mean, I think that's what the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to do early in the stages against in this game against the Titans. So, to wrap the show, Jake, is there anything else, any betting moves, any fantasy advice that you want to give to our listeners out there? So my biggest piece of advice for everybody right now when it comes to fantasy, this is either pl- the last week of the regular season or the first week of playoffs for you. Don't get too cute. You're going to be tempted to take a guy out of your lineup who has been a you know pretty consistent performer all year for you. Just because I say I like Giovanni Bernard this week, you're not going to bench Alvin Kamara for Giovanni Bernard. You're not going to bench, you know, Josh Jacobs, maybe because he's injured. You're not going to bench Zeke. You're not going to bench, you know, guys who have been workhorses all year and have been getting consistent touches. Don't get too cute with your lineups. If it's, you know, if it comes down to you need a boomer bust guy to win the matchup because you're, you know, the other guy's projected to beat you by like 20 something points in the first round of playoffs, then maybe you get a little bit cute with it. But just stick with what is working. If you've got a formula that you like to follow, if you're a matchup hunter, if you just stick with your workhorses, Follow what's been working. Don't get too cute in the playoffs. It's what bites people in the ass every single year. Just play the game the way that you know how to play it, and things should work out in your favor. And if they don't, guess what, baby? We can draft again in a few weeks once the season's over for next year, and we'll run it back. I love it because I'm, I'm excited for our Giants to lead together, man. I'm, I'm really, really excited because you get to draft after the season, and then you get to draft the rookies, man. I'm going to be really, really pumped for that, man. But like to close up the show, guys, we thank you for tuning into the Fantasy Odds Cast. It's your host, Asia Desai, and my right-hand man, Jake Perry, 34, for this podcast. Thanks for tuning into the Fantasy Odds Cast, and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks, guys. Stay home and stay comfy, guys.